Hi, I'm Dr. Sarah Howard, and welcome to the Pure Animal Podcast. On today's episode, we're talking to Dr. John Wardhouse, all the way from the US, about reducing pain and improving a pet's quality of life. John graduated from the University of Sydney in 2004. Two years later, he took a sabbatical from the veterinary profession to manage his family's property, development and ranching operations. During that time, he continued to further his education in the areas of veterinary alternative medicine, including TCM and acupuncture. In 2010, he moved to the US to undertake a fellowship in pain management and rehabilitative medicine. He has also completed an externship in diagnostic musculoskeletal ultrasound with doctors Deborah and Sherman Canap. He is a certified canine rehab practitioner through the University of Tennessee. He has visited and researched extensively the top canine rehabilitation centres in the US, having learned the different business models and rehab protocols designed by industry experts. He speaks around the world at various conferences on the topics of canine arthritis and pain management. Hi, John. Thank you so much for being a, um, an honoured guest on the Pure Animal podcast. We're really happy to have you on board all the way from Colorado in America. How are you today? Great, and thank you for having me on this podcast. Oh, well, we've been really looking forward to it. Um, we're going to be talking to you today about pain management and improving your pet's quality of life and rehabilitation and even going into canine headaches. So we're really curious about canine headaches here on Pure Animal. But before we get going into the main gist of the podcast, I'd love to hear a bit about your background, um, where you found the desire to become a vet and how you ended up working in canine rehabilitation and pain management. Well, that's a great question and uh, a, a long story, but to sum it up, I've always wanted to be a veterinarian, even from being knee-high to a grasshopper. <laughs> uh, my family in Australia, we bred thoroughbred racehorses and cattle, um, so I've been around large animals all my life and always wanted to be a veterinarian, but yes. unfortunately myself and actually my twin brother were both very badly dyslexic, oh, so right. we never got the marks at school to be able to do the things that we dreamed about doing, my brother wanted to be a, a production, uh, film and television producer, and I always wanted to be a vet. So instead we went off and did two degrees together, a Bachelor of Commerce, and then went on years later and did an Associate Diploma in Construction. All right. Always with the dream of trying to get into the vet school. And at 26, we then, I was able to... Uh, apply as a mature age student and mm -hmm. that way I got into the vet school uh, through the mature age student program and just loved it. But it's always been a passion of mine, um, always wanted to be a veterinarian. And as many of us do at vet school, we meet our partners and and uh, my wife, who was a year above at that time, Celia, um, she had a beautiful Belgian Malinois called Tova. <laughs> and Tova developed degenerative myelopathy. Mm. And we're talking, this is over 20 years ago, and there really wasn't much that we knew about DN and how to treat DN. And the frustration, the pain, and the anxiety that we went through with Tova, we imported carts from the United States. I didn't want my clients to ever feel that frustration mm. and pain again. And so that got me going down the path of rehabilitation. 
And growing up on with thoroughbred racehorses, we did uh, rehabilitation, we did physiotherapy, we did strengthening exercises, we had swimming pools, things like that. And I was, why aren't we doing this for our canine yeah. uh, patients? Yeah. And so that drove me then to search around the world. And back in, two, in 1998, um, there was a postgraduate course on, on emergency medicine at Sydney University. And one of the lead uh, speakers was a gentleman called Dr. Jamie Gaynor out of the United States. Mm-hmm. And I had the pleasure of, I'm a mature age student, so I had the pleasure of meeting uh, Jamie. And all through my student career, I kept the dialogue with Jamie. And then in my final year, I came out for four weeks and uh, spent some time in his emergency practice. And then back in 2010, I came back out for four weeks to learn more about pain management because he's one of the leading guys in the world and he offered me a one-year fellowship. So we packed up our bags and moved to Colorado and that was 11 years ago. And you've never come back. So never came back. And so one year turned into two years. Uh, Shirley at the time did a rotating internship through all the different specialties in this incredible specialist hospital in Colorado Springs. Mm -hmm. And then we both went to the University of Tennessee and undertook our canine rehab certification Mm. and came back and I moved across the building from Jamie and the emergency pain department into the orthopedic department with six orthopedic surgeons and with a construction background built a 1,500-square-foot rehabilitation centre and really did a turnkey, wrote all the protocols, trained all the staff and handed over a full functional uh, rehabilitation hospital to these six orthopaedic surgeons. And at the time, Celia then said, "Um, we're doing this for one patient at a time. Why don't we do this to train veterinarians? Because everyone out there knows we all learn our special source and it's what we do, we keep secret. So we then decided to launch the Veterinary Teaching Academy, and that was over six years ago. Mm. And so that's the paid membership for veterinarians and rehab professionals. I do a monthly webinar on different orthopedic topics. At the moment, we're doing the Elite Canine Series, and that's on doing overuse injuries, and that starts mm-hmm. next month, and that'll probably be a three-month series. And we train veterinarians and canine rehab professionals for the last six years to try and teach them everything that I'd learned over the last well, 10 years, but six years working in specialist pain management and orthopedic surgery. Nice. And so the Veterinary Teaching Academy, that's 100% online, so it's obviously available internationally to vets, you know, anywhere yes. they live. And does that give vets who complete sort of courses with you a qualification or the ability to then go and practice what they learn in their cases? Yes, because where we realised originally have the University of Tennessee and Canine Rehab Institute, CRI, the two big organisations here in the United States. And you can't compete against them. And really, I was bringing everything that these two organisations bring together. And as veterinarians, we don't have to do programs to be able to use that knowledge in the clinic the next day. Mm. So I build my programs around taking that information. You can use it the next day in your clinic, explaining to clients what elbow dysplasia, how does it form, what are the different surgical options. So I do, from the etiology 
etiology of the disease all the way through to a 12-week rehabilitation program with exercises so they can explain everything to their client and try and wrap it all up with a bow in one consent passage. So mm. I will study and build these webinars over a month to then give that webinar. So they're very, they've got the latest studies, the latest information mm. in these the different disease topics. Yeah, that's excellent. And so the other online offering I know you have is Canine Rehab On Demand and that, that is your um, sort of 12-week online program. And is that that's available to the pet owner to be able to have something that can be easy to refer back to or is that for vets only as well? No, that's for pet owners. And with mm. COVID, I don't know in Australia, um, a lot of clinics got shut down here. Yeah. And a lot of I know of a lot of my students said, well, they've come in, they've taken our anesthetic machines, they've taken our respirators, or we can't see clients. Um, a, a lot of them really loved it. They said, oh, they pull up in the car park, the nurse goes out or the tech collects yeah. the patient. We see the patient, we don't have to deal with the client. Yeah, it's the same it's over here. But a lot of them always also was saying, um, we can't do surgery, we can't do our bread and butter. And I said, how about I launch all that education material that I've taught you guys over the last six years, I make that available to your clients. Mm. I build in then a 12-week rehab program, mm-hmm. a 12-week pharmaceutical and nutraceutical supplement program, mm-hmm. a modality guide, a equipment checklist for those specific disease um, topics so that you can then give those to your clients to be able to do rehab with their pet at home, and then I also gave back to our members a 40% affiliate on those programs. So one, it helped keep their doors open, mm. help keep their staff motivated because they can now call Mrs. Smith on the phone and say, uh, we know Macy has hip dysplasia and we can't see Macy, but here's a program you can yeah. do to learn about hip dysplasia, yeah. to also here are the supplements, the pharmaceutical drugs you need to think about, and here are then a 12-week exercise program to help Macy while um, we can't see you. And yeah. the clients love it, the vets love it, the staff love it because they're actually involved and actually can help clients when they're calling up on the phone and say, what do I do? I have one of my clients called and said, um, she's in New York City, and there was a 10-year-old Great Dane in a little studio apartment locked down oh, in quarantine. Gosh. The dog's going crazy. Yeah. And I said, well, here's a program to help you. Mm. Um, it was a way to give back to the industry and everyone loved it. Yeah, right. And, and I'm so, sure that it would be increasing yeah. compliance if there's something so, um, you know, accessible and easy to follow online for the pet owner. Um, have you seen a, an improvement in outcomes very much so, and because people, and I go, a little bit of something's better than a whole lot of nothing. Mm. And we know that some clients will do everything, some clients will do nothing. They'll never unwrap the plastic off that the program. But mm. they feel like they're doing something for their pets. They feel invested. Yeah. The vets are able to prescribe something, and I'm breaking it down even further now, into the education part. So... If a patient comes into a vet and they have a cranial cruciate ligament tear, they don't need to purchase the rehab program. They may only need to know the education, the difference between surgery and non-surgical options. Mm. We talk about surgery and then non-surgical medical management of 
say, cranial cruciate ligament disease. So they can then have an informed discussion with the veterinarian about that specific disease program before they even talk about surgery or non-surgery. And so this elevates the quality of conversation in the consultation room. And my students say, I don't have to compete. I don't have to re-repeat over and over and over again what cranial cruciate ligament disease is. I tell them, go purchase this information program, and then they watch the three hours, I think it's cranial cruciate ligament, there's three webinars in that, and they come back informed. Mm. They come back understanding what the disease is, and they come back asking the right questions. And then it's all about team pet. Mm. And we as an organisation now are working in conjunction with the pet owner Mm. for the benefit of the pet. Instead of fighting the client saying, why do you want to do radiographs? Why do you want to do an MRI? Why do you want to do exploratory surgery? And you're constantly firing that apple battery. They come in and say, oh, we need the radiographs, the MRI and the exploratory surgery to look at that cranial cruciate ligament to see if it's intact or not. It's a different way to deal with the client to get everyone bored Well, it's also really empowering. And I was talking to another guest of ours about this last week. Um, It's also really empowering for a pet parent to be able to advocate for their pet and to take a real, like you said, you know, become part of their treatment team rather than just be told what to do. um, You've completely sold me because, I mean, from an experience of a patient myself, I'm thinking about sort of human medicine offerings, I feel that some of the practitioners I've seen do sort of just, you know, take that dictator approach and and tell you what to do. And you you feel almost powerless in your own health decisions. Whereas if you're seeing, um, you know, someone who might be a bit more open to other ways of treating things or an integrative practitioner or a naturopath or something like that, all of a sudden you're part of the treatment team and and you feel like you can really advocate for yourself and you can do your own research and people will listen and it's exactly the same and it should be becoming, you know, the norm in, in veterinary medicine as well um, and something like this that you've developed can hopefully help that happen. And it's the way we're going. But unfortunately, it's a double-edged sword. We have Google out there. And everyone's got a doctorate from Google. But the amount of misinformation out there is really um, surprising. I won't go into social media forums. I used to be on the beginning monotopy forum, the cruciate ligament forum. And the amount of misinformation Mm. that's put on Facebook and that, and I'd chime in and say, well, I'm a veterinarian and don't do that because of this. And they would come back and bar me and say, well, yeah. we don't want veterinarians talking on these forms. <laughs> we want people to feel that they can express their own views independently of any veterinary advice. And you're like, oh, whoa, okay. Um, it's a bit scary. heartbreaking. And, and, and I, I went back and then I thought, I can do a better job than this. Yeah. And that's one of the reasons we also launched um, the Veterinary Teaching Academy was to give our profession the tools, give them the resources because we don't know what questions to ask. And if you don't know the questions to ask, you don't know what answers are available. And we learn what we learn through vet school. And once you come out with vet school, because we don't have time to learn a new discipline as we're going through, or very few do. And if you do, like I came over here and we dedicated five years of our lives to learn this whole new language this whole new um, field of thinking. And most vets in general practice 
don't have, especially now, we're so overworked. We're working huge hours, and our goal is to make it simple for both our veterinary colleagues. Here it is served up on a platter. And I actually have a canine canine rehab business in a box where it's really a we. This is everything in a rehab clinic that I'm handing to you. You bolt it into your practice, and you just send an email to your client saying, here's a link. I really think that scrubbing would really need the elbow dysplasia program and a 12-week program, and the clients love the vet. The patient wins, and and it's just we're promoting our whole industry. Yeah. And everyone's seen pet. There's no, as you said, adverse – I can't say the word now. Everyone's working together. There's no – yeah, there's no conflict. Yeah, no, it sounds amazing. And so if we're looking at, say, um, you know, you can choose one of your 12-week programs as an example, let's say cranial cruciate ligament disease, given that it's possibly one of the most common, if not the most common um, orthopaedic issue that we see in dogs, what would be an a sort of typical example of what would happen over the 12 weeks Um you know, including the the exercises and the nutraceuticals and the pain relief. And what does what's expected as the outcome at the end? Is it a completely fully functional um, limb again? Um, and is there sort of further work that they have to do after the twelve weeks? Okay, so actually we have two programs. We mm-hmm. have two. It splits it before between a surgical option yep. and non surgical option. Mm-hmm. And so, but we know that. 40 to 60% of patients, when they rupture one cranial cruciate ligament, they'll rupture the other one within six months. We give them mm-hmm. both programs. Mm-hmm. So when the client buys the program, they can either choose to go down the, the post-surgical route because most people will do surgery on their, their pet first ruptured CCL ligament and then they'll go, oh, that was such a huge expense, ex- emotional, physical, time, involved in that, let's have a look at a non-surgical bracing option. Mm-hmm. And so we know that they're going to do that really in a short time period, usually about six to nine months. Mm-hmm. So we give them both programs so they don't have to choose mm-hmm. because a lot of people are like, oh, do I get the surgical one or I don't get the surgical one or I go to the non-surgical management one or my dog just had surgery but now I'm going to go medical one. Mm-hmm. So we give them both programs. Mm-hmm. And that's – so. The education is the same. It's just the 12-week rehabilitation program and that's different. Yeah. Um, so they can choose which which fork in the road they go down. Mm-hmm. Then what are the outcomes? So this post-surgical program is designed day one when they come home from surgery. Mm-hmm. So we talk about here is equipment, harnesses, slings. Um, I talk about icing, cryotherapy. Um, thermotherapy, what to do, wound management, what you need to know about when your pet comes home. Yeah. And that's week one to two. And it unlocks in two-week blocks. Yeah. So the clients can't race ahead and do exercises that were in week 12 or wheelbarrow walking or things like that. They're locked timestamps into every two weeks. The next two-week block opens up. So it's building on the exercises of the two past two weeks so helping build on stamina, strength, range of motion, and it's been designed that way so they can't race through the program. Yeah. We then talk about a 12-week pharmaceutical and nutraceutical guide. So what pharmaceuticals they need to be on straight away, non-steroidal anti-inflammatory, 
or other pharmaceuticals to help with pain because we need to get on top of pain yeah. with chronic cruciate so they have confidence to work. But I also include a host of supplements and nutraceuticals. Mm-hmm. As we know, there are some nutraceuticals out there that are almost as good as a pharmaceutical for inflammation, for mm. pain, yeah. for um, building mobility back and getting um, joint synovial fluid production again. One of those is called Adequan. And mm-hmm. so I give them a 12-week plan that every four weeks we bring in new supplements. We, as, as we know that supplements take four weeks to get to therapeutic effects. Yeah. So for the first four weeks, they're on pharmaceuticals and the nutraceuticals, as the nutraceuticals are getting to therapeutic effect, we can start dropping the levels of, say, a non-steroidal anti-inflammatory. Mm-hmm. And when I say this, I say this in inverted commas, we are very methodically, slowly reducing the amounts of pharmaceuticals because we're saving those for days that they may need. Them. Yeah, for sure. But we're supplementing in supplements or nutraceuticals that have very little to no side effects mm-hmm. that are building muscle, building strength. Um, building, helping with inflammation, preventing neutrophils going through the site of inflammation, um, bringing in modalities like laser therapy, pulsed electromagnetic field therapy to help speed up healing, speed up muscle growth, and also help slow down or prevent adverse scar tissue formation, mm. things like that. So the whole program's designed that at the end of 12 weeks, we've got them through that three-month crutch, mm-hmm. both if they're braced we know that once we put the brace on them, they're pretty much 95% functional, but they've got to wear that brace for six to nine months. Oh, or really? So we long. know once they're through that three-month post-surgical period, we can now slowly reintroduce exercises. Yeah. We can introduce them, getting them back to life. And But we know that both at the two-year stage, if they do surgical option or non-surgical medical management option, they about equal in the amount of arthritis in the joint, degenerative joint disease and other indicators. So it really doesn't matter oh, really? which I didn't route know you go to, you'll be at that same spot or a level playing field at about two years of age. What about the size of the animal though? I mean, if you had a, you know, a tiny five kilo dog, obviously they generally do quite well with a non-surgical approach, but what about a really big dog? Do you tend to recommend a surgical approach with those just because of the load going through the joint or are you finding that they do quite well with the brace as well? They do really well with the brace. Mm. And I had a 300 pound uh, great man. Uh, oh no, my gosh! He was a Newfoundland. What's that in and kilos? A hundred and sixty or something? Let's do what's it? Yeah, two point two pounds per kilo. So three hundred. So he's about yeah, almost two hundred oh kilos. Oh my gosh! And he was massive, and he ruptured both cranial oh creatures. Oh no! And he was so big that we couldn't go to surgery and do a TPLO because. The load on the plate, he exceeded the load. So we had to lose yes. 100 pounds. So what was that? So he was kilos. really overweight. Um, he was really overweight. Yeah. So we braced him and we put him in the underwater treadmill. And he was great because his owner was maybe five-year-old, frail little lady. Oh, bring him this monster, And um, he would suck up all the water from the underwater treadmill into his fur <laughs> and then walk it out like a mop <laughs> through the hospital out into the car park. And she was a great dog, but it took us nine months for him to lose the weight. Yeah, and that nine months we had custom braces on him to help support the joints while we were getting to lose weight, both by 
um, nutrition, um, physical therapy and underwater treadmill and activities. But also then he went and they opted then to do surgery um, as well after the bracing. But if you continued with the bracing, the bracing would help, but they just felt it was so big mm. um, and so heavy, he needed both. Yeah. And so we surgically did a TPLO to change the angles of the joint yeah. and then kept the braces when he went out and did um, in the snow so he wouldn't slip and damage himself. But, yeah, so big dogs do really well. Um, little dogs do really well with tightrope and other surgical procedures. Um, we have the whole gamut over here. Yeah. But we also have down the road one of the best orthopedic uh, brace manufacturers called Orthopex. Mm-hmm. And so I've been working with them over 11 years developing casting techniques and things and they take a plaster mould of the dog's leg and then they actually build a custom orthopaedic brace around that mould and ship it and the dogs get it in about a week and they're about 95 to 98% functional when they're mm-hmm. wearing that brace. Wow, that sounds great. And great that you've had the chance to create something so unique with with the professionals that live so close to you. That's um that's excellent. And so with your twelve week program, we've talked about the pharmaceutical approach and we've sort of touched on nutraceuticals and I'd like to explore a little bit more about specifics with what long term nutraceuticals you like. Um is it omega three fatty acids? Are you reaching for any herbs, um, glucosamine and chondroitin as your gags? But what about physical therapy and exercises, is all of that um, done at home as well or do you have uh, specialists that you recommend that the pet owners go to, like physios and chiros and things? So I'm always sending, everyone in the program, I'm always sending them back to their veterinarian, Mm -hmm. back to a rehab professional, back to the industry because I want to get them coming back, coming back. But we're also really excited. I've been working for the last four months, five months on um, doing a review of a portable class one laser unit mm. that clients can rent on a weekly basis. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it comes from their vets, they can rent it and I I don't know what they're, they're going to price it in at, but we're talking hundreds of dollars for a four-week rental, not mm-hmm. thousands of yeah. dollars. And the vet prescribes it, they ship it overnight in a plastic pelican case and it has the videos and the clients can laser their pets at home. Mm, um, I'm also work, so I'm that's actually that video is coming out next week. Mm-hmm. So on YouTube, I do products of the month, and that will be coming out. And that's called Medco Vet okay. is the company, yep. and this is a game changer. This little piece of laser technology is a game changer because in the clinics, I use a class four and a class three B laser, and they're five thousand to thirty thousand dollars. Oh and you have to be trained and. Protect eyes. This is a class one, so the clients can't damage their eyes using it. And there's a paper cut that's come out showing that a class one and a class three laser um, have about the same therapeutic effect. So this will be a game changer. Mm, yeah, absolutely. Pulsed electromagnetic field therapy mm-hmm. um, is another game changer. There's a company called ACC Loop um, that I've been working with for the last ten years. Part of the original studies. And I've been looking with working with another company that actually unfortunately went under um, because the founder uh, got cancer. But he was the lead engineer at NASA, and they oh. developed this technology for astronauts when they're in space. If they break their bone, cut themselves, they don't have gravity, and you need gravity to stimulate mm. through Wolf's Law mm-hmm. the healing process. Mm-hmm. 
So this stimulates stem cells to go to the site of inflammation underneath the coil and start repairing. And that mm. speeds up repair about 33% wow. and helps with arthritis and things like that. Yeah. Um, talking with another company, cryotherapy and heat therapy, um, companies are coming out with, uh, probably in Australia, got Game Ready, and that's a big ice chest that pumps water through compression, compression stock and cups like human athletes. They have yep. cups for dogs. Um, there's another company that's coming out with a portable ice pack version of that and another one that's using infrared heat mm. that you put on these neoprene socks over the joint and it helps um, with the healing and heat therapy. So there's all these modalities coming. It's really fascinating. Yeah. So I'm in the middle of six-month studies on a lot of these that I'm just putting through all their paces. Also, bedding. Bedding is something we don't think about. Mm. There's a great company called um, Air Gel Technology, mm-hmm. and it's like fingers of air and it's water displacement, but with air. So for our orthopedic patients, for our geriatric patients, uh, this company spent five years developing this techno- airflow technology. Mm. Um, underdog orthopedic beds, there it is. Okay. Um, they just launched. They just launched uh, here in the states, and I did a full review on it. This technology, these companies are coming out, they're going to change the way that we look at preventative medicine, not reactive medicine. So let's put puppies on top of beds. So they're not sleeping on those horrible bone mattresses that collapse after two yeah. weeks and they really all their joints are on the ground. Yeah. Let's get them off the ground. Let's get them. So, so that's the supplement. Um, glucosamine chondroitin. Um, there's one company out there that broke the double helix sugar molecule and it's now absorbable. Mm. So it's a low molecular weight chondroitin, and then they went into the scientific studies to show that it actually works. Great. Um, glucosamine, um, omega-3 fatty acids are fantastic. Yeah. But you need to get in the correct EPA to DHA concentration. Yeah. And there's another company that I can't say that has a concentrated salmon oil that is very good, and they designed it specifically for the canine and have a feline version as well. Yeah, perfect. Great product out called a microlactin. Mm-hmm. Um, have you heard of microlactin? No. So microlactin, and I can't say the, oh, the name of the company, <laughs> they were doing research on cattle and hyperimmunizing dairy cattle. And the milk was splashing out of the vat and the old farm dog was drinking the splash milk and four weeks later was running around like a puppy. Mm. And they went like all scientific um, experiments Wow, this is really interesting. And they realized that microlactin, or the actual name of the company, prevents neutrophils migrating through soft tissue to the inflammation. Wow. And we know our neutrophils are our soldier cells. So they go to the joint with arthritis, they napalm the joint, and that's the heat and the inflammation. Mm. If we can prevent the neutrophils moving out of the bloodstream to that site of inflammation, we've now got pain relief. Mm. And so that's one of my, this nutraceutical is one of my hallmarks for any dog that has arthritis is we can get them then off moisturizing yeah, right. inflammatory. Okay. I don't think we've, we've really had that in Australia, so I'll have to look into that. There's another one, um, Elk Velvet Antler. Yes. Heard of and this. I don't yes. know in Australia the company that makes it that I'm finding out no. because I'm putting together yeah. now an Australian list of supplements that you can get there because some of the stuff you can't get in the United States. Yeah, of course. Yeah. And so that helps with inflammation. 
mm-hmm. has natural growth hormones, glucose and chondroitin, but also it increases the tensile strength of existing muscle. Mm. So I call it a positive side effect. So mm. all my cranopricient ligament uh, patients go on that because we know we need to strengthen the other the muscles, leg yeah. to support the injured leg to hopefully prevent the supporting leg from rupturing. Yeah, yeah. And the final one, a really exciting one that's just come on the market, and its ingredient is fertilized chicken egg. Oh. <laughs> and I can't say what the name is because that's the name of the company, but it's the levels of this hormone in your blood dictate you putting on muscle or not. Mm. And when that level is blocked and drops, your body automatically puts on muscle. So by giving this supplement, it blocks this enzyme. So the body thinks we need to put on muscle and you put on muscle. And I'm mm. just finishing a six-month trial on that. Interesting. And it's been fantastic. It's in humans. Yeah. Um, the human name of it's called Yoke. Okay. And all the NFL, the yeah, I'm thinking bodybuilders and, and things. <laughs> bodybuilders are on that's called yokes, and then the animal version, and they can go find out what that one's called. Yeah, sure. Yep. Same company, and they've just bought a feline version out that they launched last month. So actually, next year I'm doing a whole series on felines. There's nothing mm, out there for Yes, I, I know. Yeah, and so a whole arthritis series of supplements, that'll be so exercises, good. and to train clients that and veterinarians as well, but. There's such a need for our feline. Yeah. So I'm looking at all these different supplements that actually have feline versions and I'm working with them as well to get their feline versions up and running. So yeah, hopefully that, I know what I'm looking at the time, I've answered some of your questions then on supplements. So yeah, you hopefully definitely not have. Hopefully not giving names away. <laughs> it's quite hard because the name of what it does is the name I of the know. company. <laughs> <laughs> no, we just, we just try to stay fairly neutral here on, on Pure Animal, so thank you yeah. for respecting that. Um, no, that's excellent. You've definitely answered all my questions that I had around um, supplements and your 12-week programs. But something else I'm really curious about, which I mentioned at the start, is canine headache. It's not something that I ever really considered Considered to be an issue in dogs, um, but I, I see that you have done some work here and you have some um, recommendations and possibly something to share about this condition. So, so tell us what you know. So this is something that we, Dr. Jamie Gaynor and then also Dr. Deb Gross uh, from the University of Tennessee, and she's a human physiotherapist. Um, we were all talking about one night and um, it came up and actually, Dr. Deb Gross did a whole webinar on this, a, con- a conjunction webinar a few years for us on Veterinary Teaching Academy. Because we think about our patients as specific diseases. They've come in for cranocruciate ligaments. They've come in for hip dysplasia. They've come in for a laceration. They've come in for spay and neuter. But we don't think of them as the overall package. Mm. We don't think of them as... Okay, if he's got a cranocruciate uh, hip dysplasia, he's now shifting his weight forward and to the other side. That's mm. now overloading his shoulder muscles, his elbows, um, his cervical area, his thoracic area. We don't look at compensating issues. And so we were talking about what should we be looking for and the idea of our pets or patients having headaches. We have headaches. We go. We have different conditions. Why wouldn't our patients be the same? And so we started thinking about what would be some signs then if our patients had headaches. So I would see clients that I come into the room and 
we had these fluorescent lights and we'd put them on it and they would, they would like be startled and scamp away from the light a little bit. And then you would go to touch them and they would draw a little bit. Mm. And you'd potentially think, okay, is that allodynia or hyponeuronal excitability? excitability because that's signs that we see or we call it wind-up where um, the spinal cord in chronic pain gets hypersensitive. And it's like turning up the, the stereo system in your car that what would traditionally be a 2 out of 10 pain, like pricking your finger on a pin, is like an 8 out of 10, like your digits being amputated. Mm. And we see this with chronic pain. We see this with orthopedic surgeries after big orthopedic um, operations. When we break or cut the periosteum, it can stimulate the MMDA receptors in the spinal cord to become hypersensitive. And mm. amantadine um, is a drug that we did a trial for 22 days of a, amantadine will actually reset those MMDA receptors. But mm. when we see these hypersensitive animals in the clinic, we're now thinking, okay, this allodynia will wind up, or is there something else going on? And so traditionally the signs like sensitivity, if they're sensitive to light, when we're looking at the pupils, they kind of pull away, they might growl at you. Um, they withdraw from activities. They, they seem to be painful all the time. They're more temperature dependent. They like to find warm areas because they're hurting. Um, they can become more aggressive um, to the owners, to the veterinarians, to other people. They don't like their heads being touched or they go and they start head pressing. Mm. And this is something that we need to think about, CNS, um, tumour, things like mm -hmm. that. But they will actually start to head pressing because, you know, we all have a headache. We put our head on our hand, on our forehead, on the desk, mm -hmm. or we lean up against something and groan. We see that they want to sleep more. And actually some clients come and say they just don't want to eat. And this can actually be because of headaches. We then see things to do with the cervical vertebra, the jaw, um, additional signs that we usually see. Like they have their head low carriage when they come into the consultation room. Sometimes we think they're fearful dogs. But yep. other times it's just because they've got a headache or a neck yeah. um, Like they shake their heads. They might have a head tilt and we used to get think of that vestibular disease, but then yep. we started to think, okay, this could be something else. Yeah. Um, and they have that worried appearance on their face. You know, mm -hmm. we grimace. Yep. Yep. And, and this is putting a lot of what is human behaviours onto the patient, but we thought – Here's a, probably a whole subset of clients that we're seeing that we're misdiagnosing because they actually have a headache or they have, you know, they're just sore in their body. They're compensating for other issues going on. So we know that they will, if they have shoulder issues or elbow dysplasia, they'll offset and that can actually put their neck out. And we know with chiropractic and acupuncture, you'll feel all those trigger points. And this is treating the animal as a whole being. So when you're mm -hmm. talking about um, chiropractic, naturopathy. Oh, <laughs> there you go. Um, massage. All these things we first walk our hands over our patients before we even go to mm -hmm. what they're there for. Yep. Getting a diagnostic picture. We were picking up a lot of trigger points, a lot of neck issues, a lot of T, um, jaw issues. So that's another one, uh, TMJ, mm -hmm. and so and cervical pain and sub occipital area tightness, mm. and so this was all once we're relieving that massaging, 
and doing release, seeing them to the client like that. These animals became a different, these patients became a different animal. Yeah, right. They now walk in. Um, we have exercises to help with TMJ because we know our jaws lock up. Mm. We talk all day. Um, we have problems with our jaws that people have for years, cervical neck problems. Our patients think we stand upright. Our patients have their head sticking out at a 90-degree angle with all that neutral ligaments and everything in their shoulder blades have to support that bobbing melon. Mm. Um, yep. They're set up a different way. So having headaches, we just called that, was a great name to call it, but thinking about headaches, thinking about forward neck issues, jaw issues, um, was a whole new area that we hadn't thought about when it came to pain and pain management. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, it's kind of crazy that we haven't because it's so common in, in people. And like you said, with the way that their anatomy is different to ours, it seems that this would be possibly even more common in dogs and, and cats and horses and, and all animals that are, you know, on, on four legs. So it's great that you're looking into this. Yeah, and also when we look at pain, we always look in their mouth. That's mm. the first thing you want to look at because they're teeth. Yeah. Because if they're having problems chewing, they chew on the other side, that sets up that whole TMJ on that side of the jaw, that cervical area. And that's a big one we saw with dental work and having good teeth mm. and um, getting rid of um, infections or root canals or just pulling teeth because they they were just nasty. All of those things set up then for what we call the headache syndrome. Mm. So anything that generates pain in that area, you you know you get a toothache, your shoulders lock up. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You, you hunch down. Well, why wouldn't that be the same for our patients? Mm. Yeah, and they often live with so much more dental disease than us for such a long time. So, And, and you know how common ear disease is too, and I'm sure that that's a big contributor as well. Oh, and that, so anything around that whole area between those vestibular, think of those golden retrievers that I call it the, the soupy ears, but they mm-hmm. go swimming in the dam or swimming in the ocean and their ears are just horrible. Yeah. And we do ablations and things like that. Think about what that does to the jaw. What's that doing to their cervical neck? What's mm. that doing just in pain? Because yeah. they can't tell us. Yeah. And really, we become their advocate, and that's what yeah. I learned with Dr. Jamie Gaynor is becoming trying to think before they get set up with pain. Yeah, because yeah. we can bring things on early. We can go, okay. Everyone goes on these supplements. Everyone goes on these. Um, if they're in pain, they go on a mastine for twenty-two days. Yeah, um, all these things just to reset the clock, get them ready so we can win. Yeah. Because if we get them to a point of allodynia, it's really hard to pull them back. Yeah, I can imagine once that nervous system is firing like that, yeah. Yeah. Well, I know we're getting close to time and I know that it's sort of getting into your evening over there in Colorado. So thank you for coming coming on after you've finished your day of work. Um, but I just wanted to know if there's anything else that you'd like to share with our, our listeners, um, whether they're vets or our pet parents, um, about this topic before we, we say goodbye. Well, my number one thing is think of a patient as an entire ecosystem. Mm. Think about not just what they're presenting for, so let's use cranocruciate ligament. You're blowing out their uh, right cranocruciate ligament. What does that mean for how they walk? Mm. What does that mean for their pain? What does that mean in 
the activities they do or shouldn't be doing. Yeah. But mainly in pain, let's treat because we know that they'll shift their weight now over to the left-hand side yeah. and shift their weight forward. Well, we're now overloading their cervical region, their elbows, their shoulders. Yeah. We know that craniocruciate ligament disease is an old dog disease because it's chronic degeneration of ligaments. So they now will have elbow dysplasia. So we're looking at relieving, and as we treat them with laser and other modalities, we're looking to treat all the joints in the body wherever they're painful, as well as that specific surgical or non-surgical or injury site. Because when we leave the back pain, we leave the front shoulder pain, the cervical neck pain, they become a whole different animal. Mm. Um, we see greater improvement in what they presented for because they're now more confident. They now want to do those exercises. They now want to help in their own rehabilitation. But if they're sore everywhere else in their body, they don't want to do the exercises. If you fight with them, it becomes a, I call it an ever spiraling down because if they don't want to do it, then we set up for a fight and we're going to lose. Mm. If we set up to win from the beginning, then we see these incredible outcomes with our patients. We're minimizing the chances of negative side effects and at the end of the day, the client thinks we're legends <laughs> and the patient wins. Yeah. And it's all about being the hero. And my whole mantra is to make my students the hero of the story. Yeah. Have yeah. the vet the hero in the eyes of the client because also on social media we get beat up so much nowadays. Yeah. In the eyes of their client, the vet's the hero, but the patient is the one that wins. Yeah. I and love then that. also a little bit of something's better than a whole lot of nothing. Yeah. So if my patients come in and they go, we only did this exercise this week. I go, fantastic, you did something. Yeah. Instead of some people berate them for not yeah, doing the they need that 15 minutes of blah, blah. I go, no, you did something. You changed your pet's life just by doing that. And you build them up. Yeah. And we're all here to be team pets. So yeah. that's my um, my last bit of advice yeah. is treat them as an overall package. Look at how that specific disease affects other parts of the body. But we also, as a profession, don't have time to do that in the consultation room, especially in the UK. You have five-minute consultations know, if you're lucky. And so that's another reason we produce this program is the clients can be doing the lion's share of education yeah. and the work at home and make the vet the hero of the story because they've recommended these programs. The clients love it. They're learning. They're doing something and... At the end of the day, all my clients come back and say, we have to tell you this is one of the biggest neg negative effects of doing the program is our bond with our pet group. We never knew we ha could have this bond by going through and doing these exercises and playing and interacting with our pet and thank you for that. Yeah. And if that's the worst negative effect I get from a client <laughs> saying, well, thank you for building that bond, you know, I mean, that's, it's fantastic and it's what we do. That's what we're here for. We're Absolutely. here to make a difference. I love that. It's a really great summary and I, I just hear so much passion in your voice and and it's great that you've set up these um, these amazing tools that, you know, in our current climate, unfortunately, having something that's, um, you know, online and available anywhere is, is the way to go. I mean, fortunately for our vets and, and for our pet, pet parents to have those, but unfortunately that we can't always be in person at the moment. So thank you for, for um, sharing everything today and 
thank you for developing those those excellent tools that we have online. And we definitely will put the links to those websites in the show notes so that everyone who is interested can easily find you and find what you have. And we'll, we'll definitely have to organise a, a second or third episode where we can go into a little bit more specifics about some of the conditions such as our hip and elbow dysplasia and things like that. That would be great. Oh, and, and Sarah, I'm happy to talk about this because this is this is my passion. This is what I do. And unfortunately, my wife and I can't have children. So our profession is our children. We're doing things yeah. with different universities here in the United States and different vet schools and working on programs because we love our profession mm. and we want to make our profession work. We yeah. want to help our profession have the life that they deserve. And yeah. and so. Yeah, it's fun. So I'm always happy to talk about this, as you probably tell. I'm quite <laughs> I can tell. No, it's great. <laughs> and it's fun. Yeah. And, and we can make huge differences yeah. in our patients' lives with just a little bit yeah. of effort. Yeah, I love it. No, it's 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 um really exciting area, and I'm looking forward to chatting to you again one day. It'll be be great to to have you back. You're you're an excellent guest to have. So thank you. <laughs> Great, thank you. All right, John. Well, we'll let you go and we'll put all your contact details into the show notes, um, including your websites, like I mentioned. And um, we'll have, have a really lovely evening and thank you once again. This was the Pure Animal Podcast and I'm Dr. Sarah Howard. If you enjoyed our chat with Dr. John Waterhouse today, please feel free to jump onto iTunes and give us a rating and review.